Good morning. Palm Sunday. Critical Palm Sunday. It's also called the Pass Passion Week or the Passover Feast. The Passover Feast, that's what the Jews would remember because three times a year they would try their dead level best to get to Jerusalem during one of these three feasts. So the Passover Feast was one of those three. Jerusalem itself would just swell in numbers. The best guesstimates are that there would have been somewhere between 250,000 up to a million people that just came into the city of Jerusalem at that time. Realizing that Columbus has a population of about 800,000, you could just kind of picture all of Columbus being within Jerusalem. It was that big. The Passion Week. The Gospel writers, four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Half of everything that they write has to do with these seven days. 50% of the Gospels. That's how critical, that's how important this week is. What I'd like to do this morning is to be able to take this into three different segments. First, to kind of give you that background. And then we're going to get down to the street level and, and uh, just kind of explain a few things down there. And then we'll wrap it up for our third but what I wanted to share with you, first of all, was just the background of Jesus, the city of Jerusalem. Outside of that was the Mount of Olives. Just outside of that were a couple of smaller towns, Bethany and Bethphage. Bethany is where Jesus most probably spent the night before he went into Jerusalem. He would have spent the night with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. The one, yes, that he'd risen from the dead. Mary, that night in which they were taking supper together, and all of a sudden, as they're eating, Mary comes up to Jesus and begins to pour perfume on his feet. And then she begins to wipe them off with her hair in tears. Judas, naturally Judas, kind of protests and says, couldn't she have sold this perfume and we could have given the money to the poor? But it's not just Judas. A couple of the other disciples chime in with him. Jesus at that point says, she has done this in preparation for my burial. And so the events that are taking place just prior to, we understand that something tremendous is going to happen within this next week. The other thing that you should know is that in the town of Bethphage is where he gets the donkey and the colt. He tells two of his disciples, who are unnamed, to go into this town and you will find there a donkey, a mother, and a colt, one upon whom no one has ever ridden. You'll just see them there. Go ahead and untie them. Bring them to me. We'll just borrow them. You go ahead and bring them back. And if anybody says anything to you, just tell them the Lord has need of them. And they'll let them go. It happens absolutely as Jesus says. So they get the donkey. They get the colt of the mother. They bring them to Jesus. They're not sure what he's going to do. And so they actually lay their coats on both the mother and the colt. Realize that the disciples are kind of figuring this out even as it happens, just like the rest of the crowd. Yes, Jesus has prophesied that he's going to die, he's going to be crucified, he's going to be risen from the dead three days later, but they're still not getting it. Even the night before, they're still not going to get it. But he makes all these preparations, 
in this city in which there's just a huge amount of people. And then it comes to mind to me that it says, it's a place, it's a time, the determination is there for Jesus in which everyone knows. When Paul is before King Agrippa and King Herod, in the book of Acts, it's recorded for us. He says, you know, these things were not done in a corner. It's Jesus in humility, riding not on a horse, but on a donkey. Well, here we are with the second part of today's message. Wanted to give you an idea of what we're talking about when we're saying palms and Palm Sunday. Here is a palm. What the people would do is that they would wave these palms, a symbol of peace. And so all around, if you can kind of picture that, the people are just waving these and, and high and, and they're excited about what's taking place. They're also taking their robes off, the outer garments, and they're laying them at the feet of Jesus. They're laying them so that he has something to walk on. It's the red carpet treatment. So you've got the palms laying them down at the feet of Jesus. You have the robes laying them down at the feet of Jesus. He's on this donkey on which no one has ever ridden. It's not a war time, it's a peace time. And all of these people and what they're shouting, it's a tremendous kind of a thing. First of all, when you come from the Mount of Olives, and I've had the privilege of being in Israel four different occasions, and I've gotten to see and be there right where Jesus walked. And as he's walking down the Mount of Olives, you're on this hill that overlooks Jerusalem. It is actually higher than the city of Jerusalem. Now, the Kidron Valley is between the two, and so you go down the Mount of Olives, down the hill, down across the Kidron Valley, which is also called, interestingly enough, the Valley of Jehoshaphat, which means the Valley of Judgment. And then you come up the hill to the city walls of Jerusalem. Huge, massive walls. But this red carpet treatment is on Mount of Olives. He's walking, actually riding that donkey. He's going forward and they're shouting all kinds of things. No cheerleaders for this event. They're not doing this in unison is what my point is. Some are shouting, Hosanna. Others, blessed be the son of David. Blessed be the son of the most high. They're shouting all these things, and Hosanna actually means save us. And what they're thinking is Rome. What Jesus is thinking is sin. Save us from Rome? No, much more than that. Save you from sin. That's why I've come. And so all of this is taking place. They have the crowd that's come with Jesus from Galilee. They're all coming up for the Passover feast. They now have, the Bible says, the people within the city walls of Jerusalem. They're seeing Jesus out here on the Mount of Olives. They're running toward him. So you have a crowd that's with him. You have a crowd that's joining them from the city of Jerusalem. And all of this is taking place so that everyone knows this was not something done in a corner. This wasn't just where two or three are. This is so everyone knows what Jesus has come to do. Goes down this valley, goes up into Jerusalem, but just before he does, he stops. First of all, because the leaders of Jerusalem send out a couple of people to him. 
They say, you know, you need to quiet them down. We don't have, we don't need Rome getting excited about us having a new king. They may think insurrection. They may think that we're trying to overthrow Rome. You need to quiet down your disciples. <laughs> Jesus says, hey, it is time. Remember last week we talked about it's not his time. It's not his time. His time had not yet come. Well, now it is time. He is determined to go to the cross. And it's time for everybody to know. So his response to, the, to those that come out from the leadership of Israel is listen, if they were to keep quiet, even the stones would cry out. So it is time. And as he continues this, and all of the people are yelling and screaming, it's this excitement that's going on. But right at the middle of this, Jesus stops. And as he's overlooking Jerusalem, that city of peace, the one who has come, as Isaiah says, as the prince of peace, riding a beast of burden, which is peace. And he stops and he begins to weep. Now the Bible records two different events when Jesus cries. The first one is at the tomb of Lazarus. The humanity of Jesus shows through his weeping. The deity of Jesus showed as he rose, as he raised Lazarus from the dead. All right, so you see both in action at the tomb. But at this point, he's weeping in a different way. The Greek says that as he weeps at this point, it is so loud, it's like a wailing. It's not something quiet. It's not something he's just got tears. It's something that he is sobbing. And as he looks over Jerusalem, he says, Oh, Jerusalem. If you, even you, knew on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come when your enemy will build an embankment against you. They will surround you. They will hem you in on every side and they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. He weeps because in about 35 years, Jerusalem is going to be destroyed by the Romans. The temple is going to be torn down. And a little bit after that, there will be signs posted all around Jerusalem that the Jewish people are not even allowed in the city under the death penalty. He sees it. He knows it. But the deal is, he's the prince of peace. Come to bring them peace because of the cross. They don't have a clue. In another few days, this crowd, which is hailing him and just so excited for him to come to town, are going to be yelling, crucify him. He knows it. They don't. He does. As we wrap up this lesson, the Passion Week, so many things are going to happen within these seven days. Things that will change the world forever. Things that will just share with you the heart of God. That will share with you the heart of the Son of God. That he had all the power in the world to be able to, to avoid the cross. 
to be able to take out his enemies, to, to do everything. That, but he used the power to stay on the cross. He used the power to go through this week. The humility of Jesus. I think that's what strikes me probably the most. When he came to earth as one of us, he came as a baby, wrapped in cloths, in a manger. Not the son of rich parents, not having everything at his disposal, but a young couple who really didn't have much at all. Jesus grew up in the town of Nazareth, not a good reputation. For 30 years, he lived in obscurity. For the next three and a half years, he preached, he healed, he did all of these things. But then he, in humility, went to the cross. That is the God who loves you and me. And our response to that is always covered with faith. It just is. Overarching everything that we do is that one word, faith. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that he is God come in the flesh. I believe that he will be Lord of my life for all of my life. There is that faith that undergirds everything in our lives. But there's that humility of faith that he expects. He led the way, so he expects that from us. In faith, we then come to repentance. Humbly, we before him, we bow and we say, Lord, I have blown it. I have been a sinner. I will hide nothing. To, in humility, be repentant. To, in humility, confess before him that I have been wrong. You are God of my life. That confession that will live for a lifetime. To, with that kind of faith, be buried with him in Christian baptism that says, I will humble myself, I will bury it all, I will start it all over again, and I will rise to walk in a newness of life. If you've never come to Jesus in faith, if you've never been repentant of your sins, if you've never confessed him as Lord of your life, if you still need to be immersed into Jesus Christ, buried risen to walk in a newness of life, why not humbly submit yourself to God? What you can do is to contact this church. There'll be a phone number, website, email address. Get in contact, ask someone, what do I do now? We want you to come to Jesus.
So uh, I just wanted to say a very, very quick thank you to everybody who has taken the time to go online and to give uh, or to stop by and drop a check in our mailbox out front. Uh, last week's giving honestly was really, really encouraging um, to see. And uh, I've seen that a lot more people, a lot more of you uh, are giving online and that's such a help. Um, the, the mission of the church continues, even though we're not here together. The mission of the church continues, and unfortunately, that means the bills continue to come in. And um, your generous support, again, is amazing. It's encouraging, and we're so thankful. Uh, we're doing everything we can to try to uh, support our community, to support you. Uh, to get the message of Jesus out in whatever way we can, both here online and also out there in the community. And uh, thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for being the church, even though we're not here gathered physically together. You continue to be the church. You continue to be the light of the world. And uh, we're so thankful for that. If you haven't given online before, just go to eastpoint.com, I'm sorry, eastpointchristian.com slash give. Uh, there will be a link at the uh, end of this you'll be able to see, and uh, it's pretty easy to set up. If you have any questions or you need any help, please email office at eastpoint.cc, uh, and we will do whatever we can to help you out in this time. We know it's crazy um, right now, but we're getting through it together, and I'm so thankful to see you, you guys online. I'm so thankful to see you interacting with each other as much as possible. Uh, even if not in person. We hope you have a great week, and uh, we hope to see you soon.